0: Welcome to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour... Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hello
1: and welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. I am your host, Betsy Hicks. The subject today, DMSA for chelation. With autism spectrum disorders affecting about 1 in 156 children in the United States, researchers are working very, very hard to discover these causes and treatments. I have two wonderful researchers with me today. I have Dr. Matt Barral who is a naturopathic doctor and assistant professor of pediatric medicine at Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, and Dr. James Adams, who is a Ph.D. and a, a, a junk at the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. Dr. Adams's research focuses on biomedical causes of autism and how to treat it. I would like to first thank Sensory Learning Center, our sponsor, for sponsoring this show today. Uh, Dr. Adams and Burrell have, have been working on a study, and the study is titled DMSA and the Treatment of Children with Heavy Metal Toxicity and Autism. Dr. Adams, could you explain this study and and what's the goal of this study?
2: Sure. Um, Basically, we hypothesize that um, many children with autism are affected by uh, toxic metals, especially uh, mercury, um, but also other toxic metals. Uh, We've done two previous studies, um, a small one at Arizona State University where we found that kids with autism had, when they were given DMSA, excreted more toxic metals than typical kids, mm-hmm. and a larger study with Jeff Bradstreet, which he led, where we found that children with autism excreted three times as much mercury as typical children did. Okay. And so those were both short studies, single dose and nine doses. The purpose of this study now is a long-term treatment study. In phase one, everyone gets the DMSA uh, for three days, and we measure how much toxic metals come out in their urine because DMSA binds to toxic metals and excretes them in the urine. So what we can do is measure the amount of toxic metals in the urine before getting the DMSA and after it. And if there's a large increase, then they're eligible to go on to phase two. Phase two is a three-month treatment phase where we follow the children, half of them get the real DMSA, half get a placebo. And what we want to see is, do the children who get the real DMSA improve a lot more than the children who receive the placebo.
1: Okay. So what other effects, are are these children on any other types of supplements? Are they...
2: Um, For safety's sake, we do require that every child in the study be on a basic vitamin mineral supplement because DMSA, although it mostly binds to toxic metals, can also increase the excretion somewhat of essential minerals. So for safety's sake, we do make sure they're all in a basic uh, vitamin-mineral supplement, and we do measure uh, that excretion as part of the study.
1: What about yeast?
2: Um, We're concerned about that um, because um, it has been reported um, anecdotally um, that uh, the use of DMSA in the oral form can cause um, a yeast overgrowth in the guts of kids with autism, uh, we've had various Dan doctors and other autism physicians say maybe 10 to 20% of children uh, see that problem. Um, they especially seem to see it if they use alpha-lipoic acid, uh, but um, less so with just EMSA. We have not had, in our study so far, any major uh, problems with that. There's one child who may have a problem. Uh, there's one child come, who came into our study, had some um, yeast and gut problems, for the most part, that hasn't seemed to be a problem in our study, and I think that's because we're giving the DMSA with another supplement. Um, we're giving the DMSA with glutathione because we uh, recently realized that when DMSA is given, it, in addition to excreting toxic metals, it also um, causes it also binds to cysteine, and cysteine is something the body needs to make glutathione, and glutathione is the body's natural defense against toxic metals. And so what we're also giving the children, in addition to DMSA, is a a transdermal lotion of glutathione. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding is that that seems to um, increase their glutathione level somewhat.
1: Which is huge. I mean, glutathione is such a huge piece of this. And even genetically, you can trace the piece of the need for glutathione.
2: Right. Um, The glutathione is very important. Jill James did a study a year ago showing that children with autism had tended to have low levels of glutathione. Our data so far, um, for the children who we've already examined, shows some of them have uh, very, very low levels of glutathione, uh, whereas some others have normal levels. So it's quite a variation.
1: So with the study, and since glutathione is is a piece of it, and since glutathione is such an important piece of it, Mm -hmm. um, is is that going to be... And actually, um, Dr. Burrell, this might be a question for you as a as a, um, as a treating um, physician. With this, mm-hmm. is, is this is this something that is going to be a typical the the common protocol to always prescribe with the MSA?
3: Well, as far as supplementing with glutathione, there's there's a few uh, inherent problems that I don't think the research has been exactly clear on sort of uh, telling us what the best method of, of applying glutathione to children is. Um, we're It's sort of undecided as to whether or not the transdermal glutathione is actually raising glutathione levels, and we still have to look at the data at the end of our study mm-hmm. about that. But, um, you know, glutathione breaks down really easily. So right. um, any time that, that a child takes something like oral glutathione, you know, the absorption is, questionable certainly exactly. from the intestinal tract um, and even when you're giving it intravenously um, it also breaks down pretty quickly. So um, usually when we give you know in my private practice I tend to give kids um, intravenous glutathione mainly because it it raises levels pretty significantly for a short period of time and that seems to be uh, from my experience the only way to raise them. So uh, what we're doing in this study is we're kind of doing a, um, a, a several-stage kind of a multi-arm study, if you want to call it, and looking at different aspects of our treatments and whether or not they actually affect, um, affect glutathione levels, especially with the transdermal glutathione. If we could avoid doing intravenous anything and do it just with a cream wiped on the skin, you know, that would be, that would be a, a major step forward. But um, we still have yet to find out whether or not that's um, that's true because we haven't, we haven't done an analysis as of yet with the data.
1: Okay. So when it comes to the actual metabolic, um, is it metabolic testing that you're doing to test for vitamin and minerals for, the, for it as well?
2: Well, we're making sure that every child is on a basic multivitamin uh, mineral supplement. But for the study, we're simply measuring their glutathione level at the beginning of the study, right. and then we're measuring it several weeks later after they've been taking a uh, transdermal glutathione lotion okay. uh, for several weeks. And, and it,
1: I'm sorry, so go ahead, please.
2: And mm-hmm. so what we want to do is see if, in fact, there is an increase after taking that. Um, again, the major reason we think that they should be used together is that because DMSA, almost all of the DMSA that's excreted from the body, 90% of it is excreted bound to cysteine. Mm -hmm. And cysteine is the key building block for glutathione as well as for many other things. And so um, since we know giving DMSA can deplete the body of cysteine, we think it's very important to um, try to also uh, raise glutathione levels as part of the study. And so as Dr. Burrell said, we hope to see... Uh, whether or not this transdermal lotion helps
1: with that. Very good. Okay. So, um, Dr. Burrell, in, in your practice, mm-hmm. what what is what do you feel the outcome of this study is going to show? Well, uh, I
3: you know I honestly don't know what we what our aim was when we decided to embark on this was really to find out uh, whether or not children who had elevated levels of certain toxic metals in their system um, would respond behaviorally to a chelation therapy. And, you know, at this point there is no specific um, literature or research that has been done at this point um, in the treatment of autistic children as far as behavioral so- symptoms with um, chelation therapy. And, you know, it's a really controversial Uh, therapy. There are, you know, a lot of of opponents to it in the conventional medical field. Um, there's been a few scares in the past, which with uses of other agents that are not appropriate use for chelation, and that is sort of blown up in the media as, you know, saying that all chelation is bad. And, and so our intention is really to see whether or not, uh, you take a child, you give him a small amount of this medication, uh, you see elevated levels of metals in the urine, and which we know to be specifically neurotoxic metals and, and metals that can, without a doubt, affect the behavior of a child. And if we give them a little bit more of that medication on sort of a cyclical basis, that uh, their behavior will improve as they get rid of more of these metals in the body. So our intention is really to find out... Um, in a, in a very controlled situation and a placebo-controlled situation whether or not you know, these children who are dumping more of these metals in their urine and getting it out of their body if they actually do improve in their behavior
1: and how long term is the study for you said that this is more to measure the uh, more of a long-term study
2: The, the second arm of the study um, is three months and so we think that's long enough to lower the um, levels of toxic metals and uh, we should be able to see some uh, good improvements. But again, because it's the first long-term study, we'll find out um, at the end of it if it's long enough. In other words, we're monitoring urine uh, excretion during the study, and we hope to see that it's steadily decreasing as the weeks go on. And so by the end of it, end of it if we're down to norm- normal levels, that will suggest it's been a long enough treatment. There are some children we may need to stop a little earlier. There are some... they may need more therapy. Again, that's part of what we'll learn from the study is whether or not the medication helps, and if it does help, how long to use it for, whether or not to give it with the glutathione. And also, what we're seeing from just the preliminary phase one data, which we do have quite a bit of, we we are seeing that most kids with autism, the DMSA is dramatically increasing their excretion of lead, about an eight to 12-fold increase in excretion of lead. It's, It's very dramatic. And clearly, very good at, at pulling lead out.
1: Okay, and that's what—that's what the one study that has been done has been done on it, correct? Is for lead.
2: Well, the previous study um, uh, we did with Dr. Bradstreet found a very high excretion of mercury in the urine for children with autism, and we are seeing some increase in uh, mercury, but we're especially seeing an increase in lead in our population.
1: But the key, the key met study that was done through—I mean, through previously, I mean, years ago. Because <clears throat> they, they've done some studies on lead themselves. There have
2: been many studies of the use of DMSA for lead right. and for mercury. And uh, DMSA is FDA approved for treating um, uh, lead poisoning right. in children as young as one year of age. So right. that's, it's, it's approved for treating lead poisoning. Right. We're using it off-label in our study for treating general uh, heavy metal toxicity.
1: Great. We're going to break now for commercial. When we come back... We have once again Dr. Burrell and Dr. Adams, who will be talking more about the study and some of the effects um, that the DMSA is um, is providing. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
4: We had a wonderful
1: experience in our trip to the sensory learning institute and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper
4: who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me
1: and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me.
0: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously simulating visual, auditor, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every Monday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time, tune in to hear Healing with Pat Honeyotis. Pat will interview authors and experts in the field of alternative and traditional medicine and discuss current issues. Accurate information will be provided, beliefs and practices will be shared, and listener questions will be answered. This show is about helping educate listeners to become empowered so that they can make informed choices regarding their physical, spiritual, and emotional health. So tune in to hear Healing with Pat Honeyotis and learn more about your health care options. Only on the world's elite health station, your life, your health, your network, Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup of the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley.
0: Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Sex on a Wednesday afternoon with Sierra Gunn. Sex on the Wednesday Afternoon is an entertaining and enlightening look at sex, its joys, and its many challenges. With its focus on the causes and effects of sexual dysfunction, Sex on the Wednesday Afternoon explores such related topics as infertility, menopause, sexual enhancement drugs, and their natural alternatives. Listeners are invited to call in and ask questions, relate their experiences and give their opinions to the host, her guests, and to the medical doctors co-hosting the show. With tens of millions of people worldwide affected by loss of libido and with 30 million adult American men suffering from some form of erectile dysfunction, this show offers important information and most of all, hope. It is the aspiration of this program to assist men and women with definitive sexual challenges in their search for empathy, peace of mind, and possible solutions to their problems. So tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Sex on a Wednesday Afternoon with C- Air gun on your health, your life, your network, Voice America Health & Wellness.
5: We all want to improve the environment, but not all of us are willing to make radical changes in our lifestyle to help. If you're one of the millions of people who want to change the world without changing your life, tune into to Voice America Health & Wellness every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time for The Lazy Environmentalist with Josh Dorfman. The Lazy Environmentalist is about easily and effortlessly greening our modern lifestyles without ever sacrificing style. Host Josh Dorfman will bring together designers, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who are rapidly making the modern green lifestyle a reality. So help your world and help yourself by listening to The Lazy Environmentalist with Josh Dorfman every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. It's your right and sole purpose to live a joyful life of abundant love, health, and prosperity. Be Positive with Nurse Krilly We'll introduce you to the idea of a positive outlook and how it impacts every aspect of your life, your mind, your body, and your spirit. Each show will look at some aspect of life that is less than satisfying and how you can make it better by challenging and changing your thoughts, your core beliefs, and your feelings. It is possible for you to get out of a negative cycle of being and get into a positive cycle of being. You're invited to take a positively enlightening journey with be positive and nurse freely every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific time right here on Voice America Health and wellness it's good for what ails you your
0: life your health your network you are listening to voice America health and wellness welcome back to autism one a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks if you have a question or comment call us toll-free at 866. 866- Four seven two five seven nine two. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
1: Welcome back. This is Betsy Hicks, and I'm here with Dr. James Adams and Dr. Matthew Burrell from um, the Southwest, well, Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, and we are talking today about the DMSA and the treatment of children with heavy metal toxicity and autism study and the use of DMSA. One of the questions I have, um, Dr. Adams, is in the placebo. The children that are receiving the placebo, are they receiving the vitamins and the glutathione?
2: Um, all the children in our study um, are on a vitamin mineral supplement and have been on that for two week, for at least two months prior to the start of the treatment phase. So there's, we make sure that during the treatment phase, there's no change in um, psychiatric medications, no change in behavioral therapy, or okay. other supplements. The only change is half of them are getting the DMSA and half of them okay. are getting so the they placebo.
1: Okay, so the, they also also getting the glutathione if they're um,
2: on the placebo. Well, I should say if they're getting the um, DMSA, then they're getting the glutathione as well. But
1: they're if not they're getting,
2: getting, getting the placebo, they're getting placebo glutathione as well as placebo DMSA. Oh,
1: okay, okay. So it's not really, but that could that so be a problem in this is really determining... a combined
2: study right. of looking at DMSA with glutathione because, frankly, we think it should always be used in combination because, as I mentioned, DMSA binds to cysteine and will deplete the body of cysteine. And right. because kids with autism, according to Jill James's study, are already low in cysteine, right. giving them glutathione is one good way to help the cysteine levels.
1: But is there a potential, then, that they could respond so well to the glutathione that the improvement can be just from the glutathione?
2: Absolutely. We cannot, in this study, distinguish whether the increase is due to glutathione or due to DMSA um, directly. However, glutathione um, is excreted in the stool, not in the urine. So any increase in toxic metal excretion is solely due to the DMSA and not due to the glutathione. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the kids who improve the most and see if those are the ki- see if that relates to their excretion. Is it due more to excretion of mercury or lead or any of the toxic metals? I want we're to
1: make sure I at. understand. That. So you're saying glutathione excretion is only in the stool or
2: That's only in the- correct. The glutathione excretion is only in the stool. Also there was a study by Dr. Vassa showing that give he um exposed um, rats to mercury in a previous study he's done lead but in this study he did mercury and he found that glutathione by itself does not um, cause any did not cause any decrease in mercury levels in the kidney or in the brain of rats exposed to mercury um, mm-hmm. whereas DMSA was very effective and removed virtually all of the mercury from the um, kidney but it doesn't touch the level in the brain
3: You know, it it should also be mentioned, really, that um, what we'll be able to do at the end of the study is uh, look at how many kids were actually affected by the transdermal glutathione as far as changing their glutathione levels. And at the end of the study, we can kind of look and see, you know, it's possible that the transdermal glutathione had really no effect on glutathione levels in blood, and therefore probably looking a little bit more strongly at the DMSA having an effect uh, as opposed to the
1: glutathione. So I, I, what about the fat... We've got to talk about the liver at one point, and, and I. but I need to... I mean, in the study that you're saying showing that glutathione is, cannot get um, mercury out of the brain or any other... Uh, the kidneys... In instead. the
2: short-term animal study, yeah. it had zero effect. It didn't so lower it at all.
1: Could, could it possibly potential be to a liver backup? Could, could any of this be due to failure of the liver of any sort? Well, I
2: think of it this way. That the DMSA has, it's called a chelator because it has two sites on the molecule which bind to toxic metals very strongly. Glutathione has only a single sulfhydro group which can attach, and so it binds much more weakly. So glutathione is the body's defense against current toxic metal exposure. So if you're just exposed to mercury or lead, it will bind to those Um, before those metals get into the brain or the kidneys, and it will excrete them. But if those metals are already in the body long enough to settle into the brain or kidneys, glutathione, at least short-term, doesn't seem to help um, remove those. No one's done a a long-term study, and perhaps over months or years it would help. But in the um, short study that Vasopotion did, it had no benefit on lowering the levels.
1: Okay. What about, let's talk more about the liver and Mm -hmm. what DMSA actually does to the liver because I have a whole huge list from the PDR of side effects and, you know, the liver is one of the biggest pieces.
2: Yeah, there are certainly concerns about the use of DMSA. No medication is perfectly safe, but DMSA is generally viewed as the safest of the prescription chelators because it um, removes the least of the essential minerals there is a small chance of an increase in liver enzymes, meaning the liver is working a little harder, and there's a small um, chance of decreasing white blood cell count, about a 1% chance for each of those uh, serious side effects.
1: But is it once the chance, once liver enzymes are starting to increase, doesn't that mean that already some permanent damage has been done?
3: No, not at all. Um, and you also see some children, even with obesity, um, who have, will who have elevated liver enzymes. And, in some cases, those kids have possibly some liver damage. But, you know, it should be noted that in the PDR, they're using a study that they, that they did on children who took DMSA for 19 days continuously. Um, because they were lead toxic, they were treated with DMSA um, for 19 days. In our study, we're doing it for three days on and 11 days off of the medication and then repeating that three days on, 11 days off again. So we've cut the amount of DMSA that we're giving to the patients um, by a huge amount, as well as the fact that, you know, if you look at what lead can do, um, lead can cause the same sort of side effects um, that they are mentioning in the PDR that they attributed to the DMSA. So it is possible that it wasn't the DMSA in these patients that was causing an elevated elevation of liver enzymes, but it was possibly also due to the lead toxicity that these children were going through. So what we're doing
2: in our study is we first check, before we give them any medication, we check their liver enzymes, we check their kidney function, we check their blood cell count, and then we continue to monitor those during the study. So even after just one round of DMSA, um, nine doses of it, we then recheck their kidney and liver enzymes and make sure that they're okay before we continue on. In general, we are only rarely seeing small increases um, in those. Frankly, the biggest problem we've had is one child who was on a psychiatric uh, several psychiatric medications, and those were raising the liver enzymes a fair bit. Um, but the DMSA, so for children taking many psychiatric medications or other medications that are taxing to the liver, you'd want to be more cautious in giving DMSA to those children. But For children just taking the DMSA, it's rare that we're seeing problems with it.
1: But there has been. I mean, we've seen it noted on the web chat groups and other doctors that are treating patients, lots of children that have had some pretty severe effects to the DMSA.
2: And again, I think one of the problems with DMSA is it can bind to essential minerals and cause them to be removed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been reported that zinc uh, level excretion is somewhat increased. But if you actually look at what's coming out in the urine, it was uh, really just the um, potassium that we're most concerned about. That that level can be significantly decreased um, by use of DMSA. So that's why one of the reasons we want to make sure that children are all on a good uh, vitamin mineral supplement. But I think it's really the cysteine that's probably the biggest issue. And that if children are not also uh, taking some method to Uh, increase the cysteine, I think that can be a problem. There are, on the other hand, certainly many reports of children who have had problems with um, gut issues because DMSA can be a food for yeast, and only about 20% of the DMSA, 22% of the DMSA you take orally is absorbed. That means most of it is left in the gut, Um, and so that's a concern. It's especially a concern, it seems, when taking alpha-lipoic acid, but by itself, all I can say is that in our study, when we've had everyone on a vitamin-mineral supplement, we're very rarely seeing uh, yeast overgrowth problems. We're very rarely seeing behavioral problems. In general, most of the kids seem to be uh, doing well. We, we don't know if the kids getting the DMSA versus the placebo are doing better, but we can say that overall we're hearing lots of good reports from the nurses.
3: And It should also uh, be mentioned, really, that a lot of these, quote unquote adverse effects are sometimes just the process of the body eliminating some of these metals and sometimes what I've seen just in my own practice and in some children in the study is that um, initially some of the children get uh, sort of hyperactive or they sort of regress just a bit before they start to get much better. And even during that temporary regression, um, they are starting to speak more, they're starting to behave better. And there's just uh, a few cases where kids will get a little bit worse before they get better. And we're talking about a little bit of hyperactivity, maybe a little bit of aggression, but that passes. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. as far as – go ahead,
1: I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's, that's important to note. In, in, you know, we, we talked about the glutathione as far as u- using it transdermally versus IV. What, what, are the, what are the ways the DMSA is being administered?
2: We're giving the uh, DMSA in the oral form because that's the only form which is FDA approved. Um, in that form, we know it's about 22 percent of it is absorbed, and uh, we know that um, it is very effective at removing toxic metals uh, at that uh, dosage through that method. There has never there is a transdermal form or several transdermal forms of DMSA now. Um, there. Uh, They have never been tested, to the best of my knowledge, to know if they're absorbed. I think it's quite possible they are, but it's also possible that they might not be, at least not in all forms, and so it would be great for someone to do a study of those, but they also have the concern uh, that they are not FDA-approved forms, and so um, there's a little bit more legal concern for the physicians using them. Um, But from a safety point of view, it's probably the transdermal form may be better because um, it's not going through the gut, so there's less chance of causing uh, gut upset. But I'll point out in the physician's desk reference, there has never been, uh, there's no reports in the physician's desk reference or from the formal DMSA studies of it causing yeast or bacterial overgrowth. Um, there are some reports of stomach upset, um, nausea, and vomiting um, in maybe 10% of the kids uh, because it does have a strong odor and a strong taste. But um, at least in those reports, it hasn't been listed.
1: Okay, all right. We are talking here with Dr. Um, Matthew Burrell and Dr. James Adams. Um, Please don't go away. We'll we're gonna break right now. When we get back, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the study and information, also about the enrollment of the study as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
4: We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the
1: sensory learning institute and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper who had severe sensory
4: issues and autistic tendencies and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my
1: eyes and tells me he loves me.
5: The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Opinions,
0: options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy.
1: Thanks for rejoining us. We have um, Dr. Matthew Burrell and Dr. James Adams here from Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine and we're speaking about the DMSA and the treatment of children with heavy metal toxicity and autism study. Um, We've been talking about DMSA and its effects and its side effects and its Um, use in the study and I know a lot of people are probably questioning right now and wanting to be a part of the study. Can you tell me about the enrollment?
2: Sure. The study is open only to Arizona residents um, partly for funding reasons and partly because we want to have the families here in Arizona so that um, Dr. Burrell or other physician can have immediate access to them in the rare chance that there is any problem. But we do have about um, eight openings left in the study. We've enrolled 72 uh, children so far.
1: Okay, very good. Thank you for letting us know. Can you tell us how to get in touch with you regarding this and and the study? As well as you've um, written some protocols. Can you tell us how to get information on that?
2: Okay, um, if people are interested in uh, participating in the study um, from Arizona, um, they can call me at 480-818-0741, and we can get them an application form. Uh, the study is for children ages 3 to 8 um, who do not have any mercury fillings in them, um, and they need to have a diagnosis of an autism spectrum disorder, so autism, PDD, NOS, or um, Asperger's. In terms of a general report, um, I led the authorship of the Dan Consensus Report on Treating Mercury Toxicity in Children with Autism, and that report is available from my website, and that website is www. Dot EAS, that's echo alpha SAM dot ASU dot backslash tilde autism. And uh that report is also available from the um, uh, Dan website itself. And so it's they, they a, can go to the
1: Defeat Autism Now website and they can find They a can also there.
2: download it from there for free. It's a forty page report that discusses both the evidence um, uh, that suggests many kids with autism Uh, Heavy metal toxicity plus some of the epidemiology data that's mixed. And then it also um, discusses the many treatment methods that one can use and the things to do before you even start chelating.
1: Okay, good. Uh, Well, let's talk about some of the other chelators that are out there and and comparing the DMSA against that.
2: Okay. Um, The two other chelators that we recommend in the Dan Consensus Report, one of them is DMPS. Um, It has the misfortune that it's not FDA approved for use in this country, but any physician is allowed to have it compounded. The FDA allows it to be um, given to individuals on a compounded basis if their physician prescribes it. It's available in an oral form, it's available in an IV form, and it's also available in a transdermal form. There have been many studies of it, especially in the IV form and some studies in the oral form showing that um, uh, it is clearly very effective at binding to mercury and to a lesser extent um, other toxic metals. Um, it uh, has a similar uh, concerns for the use of it as with DMSA it can increase excretion of some toxic uh, some essential minerals so you want to be on a good vitamin mineral supplement it can also um, it has a misfortune it has a small chance of raising, uh, kidney uh, uh, enzyme levels or potentially affecting blood levels. You want to do it under the guidance of a physician, but those risks are small. They uh, seem to be small when given in modest dosages, as we recommend in the report. There, the transdermal form has never been formally studied to the best of my knowledge. There are many physicians out there who strongly advocate its use, but increasingly um, the Dan physicians have come to the consensus, and this is straight out of Erdan think tank discussions, that the transdermal does not seem to increase urinary excretion of toxic metals. Uh, measure, they've done many, many measurements and it's not showing up in the urine for kids using the transdermal form. It's not to say it doesn't have some small uh, increase that may not be detected, or not to say it may not have some other benefit, but they sure are not seeing an increase in excretion the way they are when it's used in an oral form or an IV form or even in a rectal suppository form. Mm -hmm. So the the absorption of the transdermal is unclear. No one's ever measured that the transdermal forms, and there are several of them. No one's Mm -hmm. measured if they're absorbed or not.
1: Okay. I have to say, you know, as a parent of a child um, with autism, my, my trust factor in medicine is, is not really strong anymore. And, and it's simply because the vaccine companies told me the same things that I, I hear now, which is, well, only a small percentage will be affected. And and my son was that small percentage. And, and mm-hmm. it makes me nervous when I hear... You know, okay, but there are side effects, and I see the PDR effects, and I see that it could hurt fertility down the road, and it could have mutations in fetuses, and all these things that I read about, and I think, you know, at what point do I trust again? And I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there feeling that same way.
2: Well, sure. As a parent of a child with autism, I share a lot of those concerns. Um, I think that that's a major reason why we're doing this DMSA study, because Mm -hmm. Tens of thousands of families have used EMSA um, for their children with autism, and we want to do a a study to see, first of all, is it safe? Are there any potential problems? Um, So far we haven't had any major problems with uh, children using it. And secondly, we want to see, is there any benefit to using it? Is it actually effective? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we certainly hope that we'll be able to answer both the safety and efficacy questions for DMSA.
1: And you think in three months, though, you'll be able to get a really good firm as to what long-term damage could be
2: We won't possible? have a lot of knowledge about long-term damage because it's only a three-month study. But, um, and so that would be difficult to say for sure. Sure, sure.
1: But there have been,
2: it, DMSA has been used for many years, and I'm not aware of any uh, reports of major long-term damage due to its use. And again, the dosage we're giving is much more cautious than in the physician's desk reference. They recommend doing it 19 days straight, and they see a certain level of side effects with that. We're doing it for only three days and then 11 days off. So we're we're giving the same number of days of dosage, but we're spreading it out over months. And so we think it's a much more cautious way to go. The general rule in toxicity is that um, the higher the dose, the more risk of side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we think that that is a good way to really help reduce the risk. Um, and, again, we seem to be seeing uh, less risks than they were seeing in the PDR.
1: You know, I'm curious with, with both of you, if whoever would like to answer this, because, you know, what's happened to our children with heavy metals is, is absolutely atrocious to begin with. But let's face it, you know, as naturopathic doctors, you both are aware that this world is, horribly toxic, and it's getting more and more laden with heavy metals, and, and vaccines are certainly not the only way we get our heavy metals. What do you feel, is this something that, if if our children are not excreting, if they're not producing enough glutathione, if their livers are not um, properly detoxing, is this something that's going to have to be continued on for a lifetime?
2: Well, I think there's no doubt that you need to take two strategies. One strategy is to try to build the body's own detoxification system, especially glutathione for children with autism. That's probably one of the major issues, and there are a number of ways to improve that. We think the glutathione lotion may be one way. That's what we're investigating. But orally, a small fraction of it is absorbed. There are other ways to do it, too. Um, However... Um, The other approach you need to do is to try to decrease toxic metal burden. For mercury, for example, we know the three major sources of mercury. One of them is seafood. One in six women in the U.S. consumes so much seafood that their children are at increased risk of neurological damage because of mercury toxicity. Mm -hmm. And so avoiding the seafood that's at the top of the food chain, the shark and the swordfish, the FDA recommends Pregnant women not have even one serving of those during their pregnancy. So avoiding highly toxic foods like um, uh, certain types of seafood. Right. And then also avoiding mercury um, amalgams because they are the major source of mercury in the body. Um, it's a slow, steady dose as opposed to, say, a vaccination or eating seafood where you get a high burst at one time. But any of those contribute to the mercury body burden. Right. So um, eating organic food certainly a wonderful way to avoid a lot of toxic metals. Um, and so I think a, a combination of trying to avoid toxic substances and also trying to build the body's own natural uh, detox system, especially glutathione, is probably the best route to go.
1: That sounds good. Don't go away. Uh, we are going to close up this segment in just a, a few minutes after our break. Um, we're talking to Dr. Matt Burrell and Dr. Um, Dr. Jim Adams, thank you. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
6: Have you ever wondered where diseases come from or why you have gotten sick? Imagine one day in the future, you will be able to discover from a small sample of your blood whether you are at risk for cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, cancer, or other chronic diseases. That may be much sooner than you think. Tune in to Voice America Health & Wellness every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Integrative Medicine with Dr. Joe Veltman. You will learn about traditional and non-traditional healing modalities used in integrative medicine. as well as suggestions on how to improve your health and how you can co create a healing environment with your healthcare professional. So get in touch with Your Health and listen to Integrative Medicine with Dr. Joe Beltman, Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Growing
4: Up in America explores the challenges, risks, benefits, and differences this generation of children face each day. Hosted by Veteran Pediatric Emergency Physician and Father of four, Dr. Charles Nozica, this show is for parents, teens, and children. It crosses each generation. By exploring the unique aspects of matriculation within this current generation, we hope to find answers and ways of optimizing this experience for today's generation. Growing Up in America with Dr. Charles Nozica broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health & Wellness channel.
5: When you combine energy secrets from ancient China and the latest breakthroughs in medicinal science, you get power healing with Dr. Shaw. Heard every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Each week, Dr. Shaw will bring you another step closer to the expanding world of body space medicine. You will quickly learn and appreciate how power healing is a perfect alternative to hospitals and expensive drugs. Take a step beyond modern medicine every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time with Dr. Shaw on Power Healing, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Mental illness will touch 50% of us either personally, in a loved one, family member or close friend. The recognizable lexicon of disorders includes depression, anxiety, brain injury, bipolar disorder, attention deficit disorder, and schizophrenia. But what does it all mean? On Psychiatry, Ask the Expert, hosted by Dr. Neil Kay, Dr. Kay explores the inner workings of the brain and mind. From proper diagnosis to treatment of the behavioral, cognitive, and emotional aspects of mental illness, renowned board certified psychiatrist and mental health expert, Dr. K addresses these issues of the most common illnesses facing us into Today's fast-paced, stress-filled, challenging world. Psychiatry Ask the Expert broadcasts each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Tired of life working out the exact same no matter how much you try to change it? It's time to get a new perspective. Perspectives, Alternatives for Living Life Better with host Margie Sugarman clears the cobwebs of confusion and offers practical solutions to life's issues. Broadcasting every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, clinical social worker and psychotherapist Margie Sugarman is here so you can make the right physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual choices for your life. Right here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy.
1: Thank you for rejoining us. This is Autism One, a conversation of hope, and we are talking with... Dr. Matthew Burrell and Dr. J- James Adams um, from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. And we are talking about this study that they're doing on DMSA and the treatment of children with heavy metal toxicity and autism. Um, Dr. Burrell, as, as a, somebody who has seen these children firsthand every day and working with them and working in their treatment, tell me a little bit about the, indiva- the kind of the individuality in that you know, as, as we know, there's a spectrum, and there's got to be a spectrum of, of health as well. Um, those that are, are more, you know, who are able to um, metabolize B vitamins and those who are not, those who are able to um, excrete things well and those who get blockages. It, how does this play into how you work as a treating physician?
3: Well, usually the children that I see in my practice, um, I run a number of pretty basic tests just to sort of get a, a baseline as to where they're at. Um, often it, it includes something like an organic acid test to sort of um, assess whether or not they have some sort of yeast overgrowth in the gut. Um, you can also use those tests sometimes to uh, evaluate whether or not the child has w- what's been termed as a leaky gut syndrome. Um, in those cases, then, you know, I, I specifically treat those particular conditions before I even start anything like chelation, mainly because, um, as we talked about, there might be a correlation between increased increase in, uh, in yeast overgrowth and treatment with DMSA, uh, or even things with um, things with cysteine, and, uh, N-acetylcysteine, or possibly um, oral glutathione, which I really don't use that much, mm-hmm. but, um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: but as far as the study and, and how it shapes my practice, uh, it's it really just is serving as uh, further reinforcement of the safety of the MSA and of the benefits, at least from what I've seen so far, just in the children, like uh, Dr. Adams had mentioned in the first phase, uh, you know, a lot of these children who we know are getting the DMSA because we're, we need to run those baselines, so we know that, that that both groups, before they get broken up into a placebo and an actual treatment group, we know that everybody's getting the DMSA. And the sorts of things that we're seeing are improvements in speech and improvements in behavior, Um, certainly improvements in receptive language and expressive language. Uh, And I I can certainly um, uh, attest to that in my own practice, and that the patients who are getting chelation, who are getting a lot of these biomedical treatments, are uh, speaking words for the first time and um, are improving with being able to follow commands and tasks and you know, have more of a conversation uh, as far as their limited language goes. They're they're able to communicate a little bit better. The eye contact is certainly a lot better. Um, gut problems improve drastically, and um, you know, a, a new interesting thing that I've seen in a few patients is that they actually are are starting to uh, understand what fear and pain mean and actually uh, responding to fear and pain. So. Um, things like needle sticks they become seem to be coming more aware of of what's going on and less tolerant of the pain and and as as you may know and as a lot of your um, listeners might see in their own children is that a lot of these children in the spectrum they have um, in some cases a very high tolerance for pain and they don't quite under they don't quite understand what is uh dangerous and what is not dangerous so once we sort of bring that, that uh, to the surface, the parents are usually a lot more relieved because they know that, okay, now my child might live a safer life because they understand what is going to hurt and what is dangerous and what is not dangerous. So,
1: Some of that pain piece, too, is this, you know, they, they were born with pain. I mean, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily born with it, but from that, you know, from that first immunization that may have caused some effects, i mean they they've lived with pain their whole life, and as they start to uh really feel again and, and uh they, they they start to feel good again mm-hmm. they they probably are more more recognizing of the pain too it's, Yeah. it's so sad to to think that they have to li- they've been living a whole life of this type of pain right That's right so horrible to think of yeah um so what what do you recommend also for um helping to support the liver throughout this whole process.
3: Throughout the process of chelation? Yes. Uh, without a doubt, uh, supplement with some sort of cysteine supplementation. So um, I have not been using transdermal glutathione in my own practice, but um, you know, judging from what we find in the study, it might change my opinion of that. Uh, but uh, as far as supplement supplementation of the liver, you know, there's certain vitamins and minerals that you could certainly give. Um, certainly, without a doubt, from what I've found, is N-acetylcysteine and glutathione intravenously has been really beneficial uh, in supporting the liver. As we said before, the glutathione definitely, um, it definitely gets oxidized pretty quickly, and it uh, may only provide sort of a temporary boost to liver function when we're giving that IV for maybe a few days. Um, But usually it's anything that contains sulfur, so it's usually N-acetylcysteine or glutathione in in one form or another uh, before they go through chelation. Now, in a lot of these children, they're really sensitive to anything that you give them orally. So things like naturopathic treatments um, such as salimerin or milk thistle, you know, it would be great if we can get that into kids, but it's not the easiest or not the blandest tasting uh, botanical medicine out there to use for liver support. Um, unfortunately, all these kids don't just swallow pills. So um, we're sort of at a bind there. But that's something that I that I certainly use without a doubt in uh, as, as far as liver support
1: when I can at times,
3: other than the glutathione and, and acetylcysteine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Is there anything else that either one of you, because we're down to the last few minutes here, and I want to make sure that you've both been able to get all your points across for this, and I don't want to cut anybody short. So either one of you, if there's anything you'd like to add at this point, please do so.
2: I think I would just briefly say that um, I think that it's useful for every child um, to consider. Every child with autism should seriously consider doing a DMSA or DMPS challenge. We're seeing that most of the kids with autism, going through phase one, um, are experiencing very high increases in excretion of lead and other toxic metals, somewhat different for different kids, but um, I think that for most kids it's important to see that, Um, and that's probably a very good way to tell if DMSA or other medications would be useful to consider longer term.
1: Okay. And Dr. Burrell, anything that you'd like to add? Well,
3: I, I think that you know, unfortunately, there's been a few reports of, of you know really concerning uh, episodes with what has been called chelation in the media, and you know, in my discussions with medical doctors, at least uh, in the town that I work in, um, most of them refer to that particular case. You know, we heard that one ca- about that one case in New Jersey where. A child had had died from...
1: In Pennsylvania, you mean?
3: I'm sorry? The one in
1: Pennsylvania? Correct. Or or was there another one in New Jersey? In
3: Pennsylvania, I believe, is the one that we're talking about, where the physician actually used an incorrect chelator. Um, He was using disodium EDTA as opposed to calcium disodium EDTA. And EDTA has a really good track record and a good safety record, but um, the problem is that this physician used an incorrect medication and, and... Basically, the child, the reason why they make calcium EDTA is because uh, EDTA tends to pull calcium out of the system. So it would be understandable that if you use an incorrect medication um, that it's going to have you know, bad effects. And it did in that case. But that is not the typical way that somebody who knows what they're doing would actually um, chelate a child. And that is the one case that we hear about the most as far as chelation, certainly in the media, because it's such a hot topic right now. And I I think that um, because of the lack of knowledge in the conventional medical world about it, it unfortunately automatically gets sort of shooed away as something that's dangerous, as something that is not effective. And we're trying to provide a little bit more information to the medical community uh, by doing this study to show that certainly at least DMSA, which is probably the safest out of all of them, Is truly safe and does have some improvement in in children with autism.
1: Okay, thank you very much. We're listening to Dr. Matthew Burrell and Dr. James Adams. Thank you very much for both of you to being on the show today. Thanks a lot. Uh, For all of you out there listening, you're Close to the deadline, get, uh, get on board with Autism One Conference. It's coming up Memorial Day weekend. Uh, to learn more about it, go to their website at That's o n e. www.autismone.org. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
0: The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.